um, tell you, we're opening up the Bible to Exodus 19 tonight. We've been going through the second book of the Bible all semester, Exodus. It's the, it follows directly after Genesis. It's a continuation of God's story of redemption. He's setting people free who are in slavery. Uh, and so these people who he set free were very much actual slaves. They grew up in slavery. They're born slaves. It's all they've ever known. Uh, you and I probably never been actual slaves uh, of someone owned and born. Maybe, maybe you feel like a slave sometimes uh, to some people. Uh, but we all identify with this story in that we encounter spiritual slavery, uh, things that are masters over us. Uh, and we're born into this, and then God promises to set us free, and he does. And then we kind of want to go back to slavery. Uh, we're terrified of stepping out into a new, new realm, and so that's what we call this the Freedom Project. Uh, we're stepping out into freedom. All semester we're looking at ways in which God, through the gospel, sets us free. And tonight we're looking at the theme of God sets us free in order to be a treasure, to feel treasured and to be a treasure to others. Um, that is the theme tonight, the treasuring theme. And so we're going to fly through this chapter, verse, uh, chapter 19, but particularly notice on your handout, verses 5 through 6, we'll spend the bulk of our time looking at that. The rest of it's context, but that's the key to understanding it tonight. So hear the word of God. On the third moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the Lord, or before the mountain. While Moses went up to God, the Lord, Yahweh, called out to Moses out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Moses is there with God. He says, go tell this to them down there. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words, these wonderful promises that God had commanded. All the people answered together and said, all the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I'm coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you, and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, and the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments, and be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in sight of all the people. And you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Take care not to go into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot, whether beast or man. He shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. 
On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, like he said, so that all the people in the camp trembled. When, then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now, Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to look, and many of them perish. Also, let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain, consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, Go down and come and bring Aaron with you. Do not let the priest and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Thus ends the reading of God's word. May he write its eternal truths upon our hearts tonight. Let's pray and and ask him to do such. Uh, Lord, help us to focus tonight. Help us to, to view these words as eternally significant and that you would make eternal differences in us tonight. Would you be good and gracious to, as you descended upon this mountain, to descend upon our hearts tonight? Uh, some of us are coming here and hearing this for the very first time. Some of us have heard it many times or never really heard it. So I pray that you would teach us the gospel, that your spirit would teach us tonight. And we would, we would give you glory and honor. Wherever, you, wherever we are tonight, whether we're tired, bored, burned out, don't see how this applies Um, just here because someone brought us. Lord, help us to to see exactly what you say to us in Jesus and and help us to believe it and trust in it and to walk away changed and more holy than when we walked into this building tonight. Would you do this in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So look, um, I don't know if you caught this, but as I said that the mountain trembled and shook, as I read that part, my stomach growled. It was amazing timing. Like, Is that why you were smiling? Uh, yes, absolutely. If you saw me reading, I was giggling to myself because at that moment when God's really shaking things up on the mountain, my insides are shaking. So perfect, perfect reading by me. Yeah, so, and it's always dangerous in public speaking, I suppose, when you are hungry to open with a food analogy and especially a Thanksgiving illustration. But that's where I'm going to go because I live on the edge. This is RUF. Um, so my, thank you for that. Um, my first Thanksgiving with my wife, we went to her family's house and we met one of her cousins, Ben. We're sitting, you know, you can picture, this is a really beautiful house we're in, beautiful home. And there are tables set up everywhere with name, even name tags on them. And we're going to it and there's just stuff everywhere. There's food everywhere. There's <laughs> You know, turkey and dressing, of course, ham, twice-baked potatoes, which are my favorite, uh, sweet potato casserole, green bean casserole, uh, just uh, any, any kind of casserole you can imagine. And that doesn't even get to the desserts. I mean, goodness, like this stuff, you can smell it, taste it. If you've ever done Thanksgiving, you know what I'm talking about. It's amazing. It's the best holiday of the year, really, um, because you eat. Well, you can only eat so much. Uh, you have to talk to other people, and that's the real downfall for me. I just talk to the people. And so at our table, 
Mayor's cousin Ben is there. He's a, I think he's, at the time, he was a uh, very early student in engineering. Uh, he was going through uh, Georgia Tech. And so I asked him what he wanted to do with that because I was actually an engineering major and I got into campus ministry. So I'm like, well, naturally, he'd want to do the same. Uh, well, I'm kidding. He, he actually, I thought, he, I thought the answer would be, oh, I want to be an engineer. But he said, no, I don't want to be an engineer. I actually want to go and do Teach for America. Now, how many of y'all have heard of Teach for America? Yeah, okay. It's like, what it is, is uh, the organization has determined that a good strategy for going to, you know, kind of underprivileged, overlooked urban cities where they have schools that are very run down and not cared for and a lot of, you know, problems going along in the communities there is to send the best and brightest graduates from colleges all over the country uh, to, to be teachers, to be mentors to these students. Uh, from elementary up on to high school, they will recruit people from your campus, from other campuses, to be these people, Teachers for America. And so no matter what you're majoring in, you can do this, and it's, a, it's an opportunity to serve uh, those who are forgotten, given up on by society, kids who have no chance. Uh, and so people to people, you buy into that vision, and you can make a difference in one kid's life, which can spill over into all kinds of people's lives there. Uh, as you go and teach, uh, and, and you commit to several years to do this. It's just an awesome pro- program. That's what he wanted to do. And I was really struck by that, uh, that, that he, was sort, he found these students to be valuable when almost no one else found them to be valuable. He was going to forsake his salaries that he could be making to be, go be a teacher in the hood. And that, that's a very valuable transaction. Uh, and, and he found them to be a treasure. And I think that's um, really, where, where I want to go this tonight is I think that's an appropriate lead into this is that God found people who weren't lovable, who were kind of overlooked, who were born slaves, who were born um, you know, just as, as bad as anybody else, but he took them and he loved them. He sought them to be his treasured. And I want you to leave tonight knowing what it is to be treasured and to, and to grow in your ability to treasure other people so you can become someone else's treasure. That's a lot of, a lot of treasuring. So we're going to have three points. Uh, first is that treasures are sought. Uh, this is, no, this is no, um, no big news flash. Treasures are sought. Think Jack Sparrow. Think Pirates of the Caribbean. He's sort of this caricature type guy, a pirate. He bumbles around looking for gold, doesn't he? He wants to stumble upon treasure. He'll sail around the world to the ends of the earth to find gold. Uh, and he is a, he's a very intriguing guy. Pirates, okay, they want to find gold. Uh, God actually seeks these people out of all the people on the earth. If you're a note-taking person, just write, jot down Deuteronomy 7.7, which clearly sets out that God chose these people. If you're, in, if you're a believer in Christ, it means he chose you. He picked you. Uh, not because you're more wise or lovable, but because he simply loves you. That's just who he is. We're called God's treasured possession in this text. If you look at verse 5, uh, the word there in the Hebrew is segula, uh, which means treasured possession. I have to occasionally use a Hebrew word to prove that I went to seminary, you see. So segula. Um, and it's, it's literally translated his royal property. This is the God who has everything. He needs nothing, and he calls people whom he chooses who are sinners like you and me his royal property or his treasured possession. He seeks you. He doesn't just show uh, his love for them in all the other stuff he's done for them. 
Uh, he could just say, well, that's enough. They ought to get it. Uh, because, look, he brought them out of a life and a community of slavery. Their whole existence was building pyramids in the mud, building bricks, or making bricks so they could build up this king's kingdom. And it was oppressive. And at one time, that king even said, we need to exterminate these people. We need to take their babies and throw them into the Nile River. Um, they had a very hard life. But God didn't just show his love to them by taking them out of this oppressive situation. No, this is their initial meeting. This is, okay, this is the person who set you free. Maybe think of the person who, some of you are on scholarship here. Think of the person who's, who actually funded that scholarship. Wouldn't it be nice to meet that person? So you're kind of benefactor you know, in, in life that you've never met before and tell them thank you. This is their first meeting. God's brought them through the Red Sea and saved them and has given them their own place. And now he's going to descend upon this mountain and meet with them for the very first time. And it's, it's a pretty nerve-wracking situation to meet with the Creator, right? And here they are. And what is the first thing they hear from him is that, no, you are my treasured possession. He tells them, you are valuable to me. You're a treasure. Now, this, I think this is a good way to think about this. Is that's highly important to hear words like that. Uh, so think of the words you've heard in your life that have been either damaging to you or life-giving to you. Uh, it's the very reason we have wedding ceremonies, is it not? Wedding ceremonies. It's, it's not simply enough to just shack up with somebody and say, I love you, I like you, and, 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 and say these kind of things. It's really important. It's really important to stand in front of uh, the whole world, so to speak, re- represented by your friends, God in a church, and look each other in the eye and say those words, those vows, to love each other till death do you part. Important words really matter. There's that story about the, the, the wife who's on the case of her husband, uh, because he, you're like, he, she's like, you never tell me you love me anymore, okay? And, and, the, and the, the husband responds with, I told you I loved you when we got married, and that hasn't changed. <laughs> so, he's, and so that, you know, that guy never gets any kind of, um, you know, love from his wife because he's a jerk, okay? Like, you have to tell your wife you love her, and she has to tell you that she loves you. Uh, it, there's, there's a telling of value, not just a showing of value. And so that's exactly what God does here. He shows and tells that they're valuable. Some of you really don't believe in Christianity because of that. Because you don't really believe that God is a God of love, first of all, because you see things that are awful in this world. And, and then secondly, you don't really believe that God loves you because no one's really telling you that. I mean, you've heard Jesus die on the cross for our sins. But when Jesus dies on the cross for sins, he's dying on the cross for particular people's sins because he loves particular people whom he's chosen and he loves. This is love that he lays down his life for his friends. This is how we know love. Jesus is the, is the epitome of love. He is the way we know love. He is the way we know that God is love. He is it. And so you have to believe, you have to buy into this, you have to examine this, you have to Take it seriously. You can't just pass by Jesus and say, I'll get to him later. You've got to look at who he is because he is that important. He's transformed many of people's hearts before you, and he will after you. And don't let yourself be passed by by him who's been doing this throughout the world. The gospel message is that amazing. It's God who created everything enters into a relationship with people like us, with me, with you. 
Uh, and so to think about that, that somebody would love you like Jesus, who doesn't need you, he doesn't need you to add to his glory at all, he simply goes after people like you, foolish people like you, the, not people who are going to add to him. Um, Jesus was actually doing Teach for America before Teach for America was cool, wasn't he? Um, he was going and getting the, the scrubs like us and bringing us home. He was going getting the Zacchaeuses, if you're familiar with, with New Testament stuff. Uh, he's going to get the prostitute. He's going to get the tax collector, Levi. Uh, and he's going to, to, to love those people um, and treasure them. He treasured the nobodies. He treasures you. Okay, you can't, and so the thing is here, is if you're a treasure of God, you still simply can't walk up to God, right? You've got to be consecrated. And so Moses was given the instructions to have a ceremonial washing of the people, to make them holy, to wash them and and change their clothes. Um, And so uh, God is about doing that. He's about changing us from what we were to something new, uh, from a slave to free. From a lost sheep to a found sheep, to, a, to a, a, a slave in bondage, to a ransom slave. He seeks us to set us apart, to cleanse us. In the Bible, is full of imagery of people having white garments, uh, pure, made holy. Uh, God, Jesus wants to change us. And so the second point here is that treasures are sought, but then treasure, treasures are also not common. They have holy use. They've got to be set apart. All right? But you know here that uh, Israel had been made to feel common their whole lives. Uh, they had been talked down to their whole lives. They'd been in slavery their whole lives. They'd been, uh, they'd been a commodity for people. Again, we, I, I mentioned earlier they, that people try to do a holocaust on them, exterminate them. Uh, they had no reason to feel like they were somebody except God chose them. And God leads them out of slavery into a new land. That's all they've got. And so if, that, if, that's, if that's you, if you sort of felt this, this sort of weight off your shoulders, of the world sort of beat you down and you felt like a commodity and common, and then God tells you you're somebody, if your whole life has been that, it's hard to trust that. Uh, there's a reason the Bible actually, one of the most famous Psalms, Psalms 23, calls us like sheep. And God's the good shepherd. And like sheep, we don't trust easily. We sometimes bite the hand that feeds us. And, and, and we sometimes run off into, the, into trouble. And the shepherd has to come get us. Uh, if you've ever seen, no one's ever seen this movie, actually. I haven't even seen it. But it's called Dangerous Minds. And it's a Michelle Pfeiffer film. I don't know if you've ever seen who that, you know, that is. She's an older actress, um, blonde actress. Um, I've never seen it, but I've seen the video from the main song on the soundtrack, which is called Gangsta's Paradise, okay? <laughs> We've been spending most of our lives in a gangster's paradise. You ever you heard this? Coolio? One of Coolio's big hits back in the 90s? Um, yeah, classic. So in the video, you see Michelle Pfeiffer <clears throat> interacting with these kids, and it's, she's doing Teach for America, actually. Essentially, she goes to the hood, and loves these kids, and you see all the drama here of, they don't know if to, what to do with her. They don't know how to trust her. Um, here's this person who wants to help them, and they're hard to love. They steal from her. They hurt her. There's a lot of drama going on uh, with her. I'm, I'm assuming in the movie, I haven't seen the whole thing. I don't know. But uh, I'm assuming it works out well, and they start to trust her. Um, 
And you can certainly understand that, right? Here's this God who shows up on the scene as the hero to save you, and, and you're going to, you, you have to buy into this whole new way of living that he says, oh, I'm going to teach you a holy life. I'm holy, so you be holy. And so there's a sense in which we want to run from that because we, we don't know that. It's scary to us. He's going to ask us to, to treat uh, our sexuality underneath his, his kingship, his lordship, uh, what we do with our money, um, how we treat other people, all these sort of things that are on a day-to-day basis that are difficult for us to think about. Someone else owns those things, like our money and our sexuality and what we do. Someone owns that besides us because he's, all we've known in our lives is like, I do what I want to do. I do what makes me happy. And, and that's not actually what we're called into. We're called to be holy. Um, you know, how can you, how can you know God loves you? How can you sort of know that he forgives you and his mercy is everlasting? Um, we, you know, how can you do that? How can you become somebody you're not and be not common but this kingdom of priests, if you will, a holy nation, a treasure? Um, well, I think we all, we all, I think it starts with believing what he says about us. Um, you know, you've always wanted to hear, I think you've always wanted to hear this. Um, some, of you, some of us have never heard this, but hey, I think we should date. You know, like, you know, you're in that awkward, you know, kind of like, we've been hanging out, we've been talking, we've been texting, and then you want somebody to actually say to you, hey, I think we should date. Because that's awesome acceptance, isn't it right there? Someone puts their neck out, out there for you and says, think we should actually date because I like you and I think you like me and I hope you do um, and, and <laughs> we don't have to go there um, so you know you want somebody ultimately to not just say I like you don't want to date you you want somebody to stand up in front of everyone in the world and say yes to you and no to every single person that's what marriage is that's what we all want we want desperately to have someone say yes to us. We also, if you think about this, we, we're all here maybe for that reason, but we also want to hear you're hired. Okay, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? For a headhunter from, you know, Amazon or Google or somebody to uh, Apple to come and say, you're hired. Okay, like that would be wonderful. I want you. Okay, and so here's what he's saying. I want you. I want you. I, you're my treasure. And you're kind of like, shut up. No, no, it's not true. If you ever, you know, have you ever been shocked by that, that God actually wants you? I, I venture to say a lot of us are not in that sort of shocked, ah, oh, I can't believe this is happening to me. I can't believe I'm so accepted because we actually believe we're the people who have a lot to offer. We're the people who go and do teach for America because we have it all together. We are to minister to other people because we have the strength here. Well, before God, none of us have strength. We're all slaves. We don't add anything to him. We have nothing to offer him, but he still comes to us and says, you're mine. You're my treasured possession. You're going to be a holy nation. And so we are not common anymore because of his words, not because of anything we've done, but because of what he has said about us. Uh, finally, uh, treasures are communicators of glory. We are tr- communicators of glory. Um, you all ever seen National Treasure? Okay, y'all know the scene at the very end where they actually enter into the treasure room? Mm-hmm. Treasure, 
Treasure everywhere, right? It's the most breathtaking picture. The camera keeps spanning, and you see gold after gold after gold, all this stuff. It's beautiful. Go look it up if you haven't seen it. Um, but treasures are actually made to speak. No treasure is to be stuck in a closet. That's awful. It's awful, I believe, that those people had that treasure down where no one could see it. We want to see treasure. Now, a key example of this is the, uh, is the advent of the pre-Academy Awards show, okay? The pre-Oscar show or the pre-Grammy show or the pre-whatever show. Every show has a pre-show with the red carpet, the red carpet show. Joan Rivers, uh, rest in peace, Joan Rivers, um, she made a career out of being the red carpet person. Uh, and what is that about? It's about, hey, look at our opulence. Look at our dresses. Look at our suits. Look at how pretty and clean we are. We are beautiful. Fashion. It's the whole point of the show is to show off. These are treasures. Okay, so he calls you a treasure. He calls you a holy nation. And he also calls you a kingdom of priests. Now, this idea of showing off treasure is exactly related to what a priest is. A priest, by definition, are go-betweens between commoners or outsiders and glory within a veil. They want to bring the, the everyday person to, to see glory. Now, that's what, a, that's what a, a priest in the Bible does. Because there's this big separation between God and his people, and a priest brings them to the glory. Okay? Every person, it says here, who believes, though, is a treasure and is, by definition, a priest. Every person who believes in Jesus is a priest. And that means your calling is to be a communicator of glory, to bring people to God through the veil to show him that. For all the meaning, the, the meaning and importance of their lives that they could ever want, was, as far as Israel goes, is their job, which is to be a kingdom of priests. And their fulfillment of this sort of job of being the kingdom of priests and, and saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to do everything you command, God. We're going to keep your covenant. Well, they didn't do that. They really didn't do that. They, did, they failed numerous times. And so part of what this is, is this is good news because we're not the ones who actually are the communicators of glory. It's not all on our shoulders. You know whose shoulders it is on, though? It's on Jesus' shoulders. Jesus was the true Moses. He's the true Israel. He's the true treasured possession. He's a true holy nation. And he's the true priest. And so Jesus becomes our priest when he took on flesh, when he was born, and he lived in our place. And he experienced everything we experienced without sin, and he was not only the priest making an offering for our sins, but he became the sacrifice as well. And we know the story well. We just, we just celebrate Easter. He was the true sacrifice. He was the one who laid down his life on the cross for his people. We were, we're a bunch of bumbling, you know, saved by grace people uh, who cannot fulfill the promises on our own. We can't communicate glory on our own. We can't be these holy people on our own. We need Jesus to be that for us. And that's going to transform us. So look on your handout. Um, I believe it's on there on the back. Uh, this is 1 Peter 4, 1 Peter 2, 4. And hear, the, hear, hear what it says in relation to Israel and, and the church today and how it relates to Christ. 
Hear what it says here. As you come to him, Jesus, a living stone, rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious. There it is, precious or treasured. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a royal, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, for it stands in Scripture, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but, but for those who do not believe, the stone and the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you, chosen race, a royal priesthood, this priest, the kingdom of priest idea, a holy nation, there it is again, he, he mentioned that in, in uh, the verses we read in Exodus, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're his treasure to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of slavery into freedom. And then verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So guys, God hasn't called you, he's, this is talking to, talking to church, he hasn't called you to just soar to heights of greatness. What he's called you to is very valuable though, which is a calling of holiness. Our calling is to be what we're already called to be. We're called to be treasured. We're called to be holy. What the world needs is not more great people, it needs holy people. The world has enough great people. It needs holy people. It needs holiness. This truly is the most important treasure there could ever be, is to be like God, to be one who's, who when you're persecuted, when you suffer, you don't respond. When you're doing a group project and someone else takes the credit for your work, you don't hunt them down and kill them. Um, you, you don't, you, don't you, 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 sit in, you maybe sit in silence and, and let them have the credit because God knows who did it. Simply being a holy person is a valuable calling. And it's exactly what he's called them to do there. Abstain from the passions of flesh, which war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. The world needs honor. It needs holiness. It needs treasures. Rare treasures, rare jewels. So that when they see your good deeds, they may glorify God on the day of his visitation. Simply being a holy person is a valuable calling. And it's my prayer today that if, if you feel like those, those words from God are to you, that you'll feel more valuable than when you walked in to Dale Hall tonight. And that you'll see value in, in seeing yourself as a treasure of God. That you might become a treasure to other people because you can't be that unless you know exactly where your security lies, exactly in who God says you are. And so you've got to consider this week how are you going to be more holy. Consider ways you fail in holiness and then repent of those ways and then turn to Jesus because that's where your hope really is. That's the good news. Um, it, let me just um, close with this. Um, we are all like Cinderella. I don't know if you've ever seen, seen the new movie. 
uh, Cinderella, but it's breathtaking. It's wonderful. I went with uh, three of my kids. Who has seen it? Okay. Those of you who haven't seen it, go see it. Um, there's a point in which Cinderella, I'm not going to get the whole story, but no, yeah. Um, Cinderella is magically dressed for the ball by a fairy godmother. Spoiler alert, if you knew that. And she makes a late entrance into the ball, and she has this magic that's going to run out at 12 p.m. or 12 a.m., midnight. So she runs, in the, she runs into the ball. Everyone sees her. Her dress is spectacular. And the prince, who's going to be the king, sees her. He had seen her before. He didn't know she's going to be there. He didn't know if he'd ever see her again. Here she is. She's beautiful. And her dress is stunning. Everything about her is stunning. And, and so he sees her. He approaches her. And he's like, will you dance with me? And, and so he leads her around. They dance. And, every, and, she, and Cinderella looks at him and says, everyone's looking. And he's like, yes, they're looking at you. You're beautiful. You, and, and he becomes her treasure. She's beautiful to him. And then at the end, he, he, her magic runs out. Okay? I don't know if you knew this. Magic runs out. And, and it, it's, she's not what she appeared to be. But she's still the treasure. This is the one he chose. And I would argue that it makes her more beautiful. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I, in the movie, it says, you know, kind of like, she has this sort of intrinsically in her. But the real way that God, the story of God goes is that God treasures you, and it creates you to be something you're not, which is holy, which is beautiful, which is a treasured possession. You become what he says you are to be. And that's different. It's beautiful. His promises to you, his love for you, changes you, and it's changed me. And when it changes you, that's going to change other people. It's going to change people on this campus. Some of you are here in RUF because of someone who, who you treasure, someone who has treasured you because ultimately they were a treasure of Christ uh, that Jesus died for, that he gave his life for. They've known that love, and that love has poured out of their hearts to people like us, and we believe now. That's all of our, that's all of our stories we believe, actually. So let's pray.